0: chapter 9 the man in the gippojappa hat it was about a week before praiseworthy and jack reached the diggings they had caught the 4 o'clock river boat at the end of the long wharf dr buckby came to see them off but he was staying behind in san francisco i'm going to wait for cut-eye higgins he said he's bound to turn up with my map i'll meet every ship that comes in until i get my hands on the scoundrel That night, in their stateroom, Jack polished his horn spoon. Praiseworthy had let him buy it on the wharf with a pinch of gold dust. It's a hollowed-out animal horn, I think. Or it could be a spoon carved from a hollowed-out animal horn. It's a spoon. Why don't we Google it when we're done with the chapter, and then we'll find out exactly what it looks like. Finally Jack tucked it inside his belt, and looked at himself in the mirror. All he lacked was a red flannel shirt and a floppy hat. A beard was out of the question, at least for the time being. He glanced at Praiseworthy. He wondered what his partner would look like with his whiskers grown out, and a revolver in his belt. Praiseworthy was as tall as Quartz Jackson, and as straight as an awning post. There were even sun-creases forming in the corners of his eyes. Yes, sir. Jack thought Praiseworthy would make a fine-looking gent. So what is the When you squint at the sun, you get little crinkles in your eyes, the corners of your eyes, and your skin. Mm-hmm. Their adventure in barbering had paid expenses nicely. There was a, there was gold dust left over, and Praiseworthy had poured it into the little finger of his left white glove for safekeeping.' He had made a list of the gold camps the miners had bandied about, and now he studied the names. "'Chilly Gulch,' "'Grizzly Flats,' "'Timbuktu,' he muttered. "'They sound like dreadful places to take a, a growing boy.' They sounded glorious to Jack. "'Don't worry about me, Praiseworthy.' "'I'm thinking of your Aunt Arabella. What would she think if you write from a place like Bedbug, or Whiskey Flat, or Hangtown? "'Angels Camp,' "'She might approve of that. "'I used to live near Angel's camp. "'I used to go there quite frequently. "'It's a a town. just a regular old town now. "'But it was a gold-mining town back then. "'But they say it's a fearful place. "'Let me see. "'There's Rough and Ready, "'there's You Bet, "'and there's Humbug, "'not to mention Rawhide, "'Roaring Camp, and Cutthroat. "'Well, what'll it be, Master Jack? "'One place sounds as bloodthirsty as the next.' "'Hangtown,' said Jack.' "'Then hang-town it is,' said Praiseworthy. "'The following morning Jack saw Indians for the first time in his life. "'They came to the banks of the river to watch the crowded boat, "'and listen to the ringing of its pilot-house bell. "'Jack stared back in fascination. "'Wouldn't his sisters Constance and Sarah be frightened? "'But that night, when the flat-bottomed river-boat got stuck on a sand-bar, "'Jack felt a little uneasy himself.' "'What if the savages came aboard when the passengers were asleep "'and helped themselves to a few scalps?' "'Stuff and nonsense,' Praiseworthy smiled, "'shaving himself at the cabin-mirror. "'The steward tells me they're digger-Indians. "'Quite tame. "'They dig for roots and acorns, "'and are a menace to nothing but wasps and grasshoppers, "'which they consider a delicacy.' "'With one sandbar and another, "'it was two days before Sacramento City came into view. "'A shore-cannon went off.' raising a cloud of dust to announce the arrival of the boat. Townspeople flocked to the river. Praiseworthy and Jack carried their picks and shovels, gold pans and carpet-bags through the crowd. It was the end of June, and the valley shimmered with heat. Wooden awnings stretched over the storefronts like eye-shades. As they walked along, Jack kept gazing at the mountains, the great Sierra Nevadas, They stood dark blue and purple against the hot morning sky. That must be where the gold was, Jack thought, and fresh hope shot through him. They were almost there, weren't they? A stage was leaving for the mines at two o'clock. To raise their fare the butler and the boy had no choice but to sell off a pick and a shovel. Mining tools were in great demand, and prices were astonishing. The pick and shovel brought one hundred dollars each." After paying their stage fare, Praiseworthy poured the gold dust left over into the tips of all five fingers of his left glove. He had difficulty getting his hand in, but he made it. His left hand felt as heavy as an anvil. The dust was their grubstake, and he had no intention of losing it to some rascal along the way. "'We ought to carry a gun, Praiseworthy—a foreshooter.' "'There is no time for that now, Master Jack.' "'They were the last passengers to board the stage-coach. "'They had hardly taken their seats when the driver, "'a a bandy-legged man in old buckskins, snapped his whip. "'The horses bolted, and they were off to the diggings. "'Jack squeezed in beside Praiseworthy, "'and a red-faced man wearing a string tie. "'He was quick to introduce himself as an undertaker.' "'Fletcher's the name, gentlemen, Jonas T. Fletcher of Hangtown. "'I don't mind telling you that business is brisk in my line of work up there in the diggings. "'Glad to meet you, yes, sir, socially or professionally, as the case may be.' "'In the seat opposite sat two Frenchmen in brand-new jack-boots "'and checked shirts with the creases still in them. "'Between them, and opposite Jack, so that their knees almost touched, "'sat a man in a dusty linen suit, and his hat pulled down over his face.' He had been sleeping that way from the moment praiseworthy Aunt Jack had entered the coach. "'Don't see how a man can sleep on this road,' Jonas T. Fletcher laughed. "'Maybe he's dead. Ain't that a fine-looking jippa-jappa hat he's got? Must have bought that in Panama. I came across the plains myself, clear from Missouri.'" Jonas T. Fletcher droned on. The team of horses raised red clouds of dust, and Jack watched the passing sights as best he could. "'They overtook ox-drawn wagons loaded with stores for the mines "'and strings of pack-mules. "'The man in the fine straw jippa-jippa hat slept on. "'A large ruby ring glistened from his finger. "'With the jostling of the stage his coat fell open "'and Jack could see the butt of a dueling pistol tucked inside his belt. "'It was almost an hour before he awoke. "'His hand rested on the pistol and he tipped the hat back off his face.' He looked straight into Jack's eyes with the faintest of smiles, as if he hadn't been asleep at all. Jack very nearly jumped. It was Mr. Cut-Eye Higgins. End of chapter (laughs) 9. Of course I will.